Hello and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Edwards, and today we are talking with international best-selling author Amber Witt. Amber is also a co-author in the upcoming book that I am a part of called Moments That Matter. And if you want more information on that, which you should, you should go to jennaedwards.com and check it out. Her chapter name is 2022. Amber, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Hi. Hi, dear. Thank you so much. I so appreciate your time and your energy today. Thank you. Thank you. Right back at you. And I have to tell everybody who's listening that Amber is wearing yellow and she doesn't even know me. So there you have it. Yellow is the color. Um, yellow is my favorite color, Amber. Okay. Oh, beautiful. Like, <laughs> beautiful. It's, I'm a little obnoxious about it. It's fine. Um, so Amber, I am so excited to talk to you about your story in the book, and then dive a little deeper into the healing journey, because you and I have such similar experiences within our completely different journeys that I think the audience is just going to love. So y'all hold on tight. Amber, tell us a little bit about the chapter. Sure. No problem. So, um, you know, in 2022, I went through a uh, process of a pretty major struggle with my mental health. And, you know, we lovingly, jokingly say that I straight up lost my mind and I did right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So went through a really hard time of life and uh, my poor, beautiful family, you know, got to suffer through it with me. Um, but with grace and guidance and love, you know, here we are today, but, um, you know, we, we went through a, a period of time, we were successful business owners, you know, we have a business that we've run for nearly 14 years now, my husband left his job of several, oh gosh, 12 years, wow. uh, about three, four, I don't know how many years ago it's been now, but several years back to help me run the, our business that we have. Um, but we did have an opportunity a few years back to start up another business. And we dove headfirst into it with, you know, my kind of pushing and saying that uh, it was such an amazing opportunity. There's no way that we could pass this up. And it was a pretty large chunk of money to invest into this business. And, you know, I just said, we'll make it happen. And, and I moved forward with it and uh, went, you know, dove in head first and worked that business all day, every day for, it was over two years before we, you know, there had been some red flags along the way with this new business about things, maybe not going as they should be. Interesting. Um, but it's it really fascinating. All... There almost always is, but there's always the people that are like, well, that's just business. Exactly. And right? that's what we were told. Like we've done, we kept hearing, we've done all of this before, you know, we know what we're doing. This is an up and coming business. You guys are the front runners for it. Everything we're doing is, you know, top notch, da, 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 da. So we like, while there were red flags, we, we did keep getting reassurance that everything was going as it should be. And when I finally had to, I, I had to make the decision that we were done with that business because mm. it just truly was not, we weren't getting paid. We, there were so many things, it, it was bad. Um, oh. So I had to come to terms with hearing things like we weren't going to get any of our money back that we had invested oh. and what that was going to do to my family, right? Because we were thinking all of this money we had invested that within so, many, so much time, right? Sure. That we were going to start getting money paid back to us for 
for doing what we were supposed to be doing because I'm a I'm a very stubborn person. I'm very hard headed. <laughs> I'm very driven. And if I'm going to make something work, I promise you, I'm going to make it work. Like come yeah. hell or high water, I'm going to figure it out. So, um, or you know, lose your mind trying. And that's what happened. <laughs> oh in my God. All I am so relating. I 100% real. relate. It's yeah, for real. That's exactly like yeah. when it was said and done. And I kind of had to come to that point of, of telling my husband and the, the, the business that we were in that there was no way we could continue moving forward with it. And that's exactly what happened. I, um, I went into sort of a traumatic, like grieving slash chaotic, like mental, just, almost like a shutdown, but it wasn't it because mm. then I became outwardly very, um, aggressive. I was angry. I was explosive. I was sad. I was embarrassed. Yeah. I was sh- like feeling very shameful. I was kicking my own self in my own butt for why didn't I, you know, what, what, what why did I do this in the first place? Right. All right. the thoughts of why, why, why did I do this? And the, what ifs and the, what should I have done? But, um, it was, it was a process. And so with, within all of that and the struggles that I was facing, not just myself, but then what I was doing to my poor husband and my, my daughter at home and how I was behaving, they were terrified of me. I mean, I went from yelling to crying, to screaming, to not talking at all, all, all within probably, you know, the same day, if in, yeah, if, (laughs) if not in that literally. So, um, I had to seek help, you know, I had to come to terms with the fact of, I am not getting through this very well and I'm not behaving in a manner that is um, acceptable by any means in any shape or form. And I, you know, decided at that point I should probably seek some sort of assistance. And so therapy was the first Yay, you know. therapy. They'll Woo-hoo. hear me every episode. Yes. yes. <laughs> Before we get into that, I do want to um just chime in a little bit because in my experience with uh PTSD and having these conversations with so many uh wonderful people who are willing to share their experiences, I do want to just point out like one of the things I've I've learned about trauma is that it's sort of like it's a physical injury that comes in through our brain, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that I've been thinking about it lately is like when you break a bone, um, you get it reset and then you have a cast and then you, you know, get the cast taken off, but it's still weak, right? And I think with trauma, mm-hmm. it's basically our nervous system oh, that yeah. is broken and that is weak. Right. And until we take the time to put a a quote unquote cast around our nervous system, it doesn't have the ability to heal. And so it's literally like all of those outbursts and the inability to control emotions is is because of that physical trauma um, Mm -hmm. nervous system injury, because your nervous system is just trying to. Oh, yeah like walk. And then if you add like any kind of stimulation to it, you don't have the ability to behave the way that you normally would. And I feel like we don't often give ourselves that kind of grace to be like, 
oh, this isn't me just behaving like a child or having an outburst or whatever. It's literally our body not being able to control how it's reacting to this stimuli. And I I feel like it's really important for us to talk about that because there's so many different forms of treatment and for trauma and mental health and all of that stuff. And I feel like trauma specifically needs to be a combination of uh, talk therapy and physical therapy, but in a really Mm -hmm. specific way. So I just wanted our audience to kind of like set their minds on what we're about to talk about, because we are going to talk about uh, Amber's healing journey, which I am so excited to, for her to share. But I just, I just want to throw that in there that, you know, sometimes we beat ourselves up because we can't walk on our broken leg. Right. It's like, well, your leg is broken. Like Exactly. Nobody and else I, is beating you up for not being able to walk on your broken exactly. leg. Exactly. Well, and one, when you start learning more about that, because you're absolutely right. When you start learning more about your nervous system and how dysregulated it can become, and then how you're supposed to try to regulate it again to get back in some sort of normal fashion of balance. Right. You don't know that though. You're just thinking you're off the rock. You're just like, I'm just freaking out. I'm having these tantrums. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've lost my mind, you know? And you're really like, how do I get it back? I mean, at that point, I just thought, I I didn't know if there was a way to get it back. And I was leaning on not, you know, like, leaning on my spiritual mentor. I was leaning on her, you know, we were, we were working together. That wasn't enough. And that is when, you know, uh, you know, I, I decided talk therapy might be something that I need to dive into. And I, I don't know if it'll help me because so many people said, Oh, talk therapy never works for me. And some people said, Oh, it's the most amazing thing ever. And you know, you hear it from all different, all different aspects. And I thought, well, what's it going to hurt? I'm not exactly, I'm not getting any better, not talking to a professional about it. So what, what's the harm in at least pursuing it? Totally. And I think it's important, you know, to, to point out like different strokes for different folks, y'all like Mm -hmm. it's it, what works for one will not always work for another. There's a million ways to do anything. And, um, thank goodness you had that spiritual advisor, you know, like I, I often, times when I was speaking to high school students, especially was like, please, if you are having mental health issues, don't count on your friends to be the support that you need because they're not professionals. This is not something that's just like, oh, I'm having a bad day. Mm -hmm. This is literally like a medical thing that you need to seek out help for. So I'm glad you had your, your, uh, spiritual, advisor and that you were willing to go down the talk therapy route, which is fascinating to me too, because talk therapy worked for me to a certain point and then I had to switch, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but please no, continue. you're fine. Oh gosh. No, you're, you're like spot on with everything that you're saying. And I'm just sitting here nodding and agreeing <laughs> with you. Yeah. So I, I did, you know, I was leaning on my spiritual, you know, mentor and she was guiding me on a lot of things and we were doing a lot of um, different modalities of energy work and sound healing and just different, different things within that structure. But then, you know, when I reached out for, okay, so I, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to reach out for, for counseling Mm -hmm. and, that became like a part-time job within itself because you can <laughs> it's sit so in, true. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I know all day 
of do you have an opening and when is your next opening? And then hearing, well, our next opening is in three months or our next opening is in six months or hearing over and over, we have a year long waiting list and me just sobbing and telling them, I can't wait that long. Like I truly, I felt like I was like holding on to a thread at that yeah. point. Like I, I, it's not that I didn't, you know, and it, I didn't want to harm myself but I didn't want to be here. And that is what I kept saying. I don't mm. want to be here. I can't even sit with my own self. I'm so disgusted with my own self. I can't even like sit with myself right now. I don't want to be here. I remember there's a trail up from our house. It's by the lake. And that's one of my favorite places to go being out in nature. And um, I remember walking around the trail and there were so many times I just would say, if you could just take me out of here, I would be so thankful because I felt just so crappy about how I was behaving as a human mm -hmm. to my family and just in general and just how I felt inwardly. I thought if, if I could just get taken away, not that I, and I kept repeating this over and over. I didn't want to hurt myself. I mean, I really, I was taken to a hospital at one point throughout all of this. I don't think this is in my chapter, but I'll just say it. I was taken to a hospital at one point because my family was very concerned that I was going to end up trying to injure myself. Yeah. And I told them at the hospital, the same things. I said, I don't want to be here. I'm not actively trying to harm myself, but if there was a way to just not be here anymore, that would be great. And, and people looked at me like, oh. I don't really understand this. So I feel you. you. Yeah. Like <laughs> 100%. they didn't really get it, you know? And so the doctor yeah. just kind of looked at my, my husband and looked at my, my parents and, you know, said, well, she seems like maybe she just needs new medication. I mean, have you thought about that? You know, let's get her out of here. Why don't you just take her back home? And oh, they were wow. looking at the doctor, like, no, you so don't understand. What do we do with her? What do we do? Like, what do we do with her? Because she's yeah. not behaving in a normal <laughs> normal airports, right. right? Normal fashion. Um, and so, and at that point, you know, it was like, okay, so truly what do we do? So like I said, reaching out for. I'm, I'm just going to chime in really quickly because sure. this, I had a similar experience and I want um, our listeners to understand, like, here's the issue, right? Straight up about mental health care in our country. When I was, I also ended up in the hospital and it was a similar situation where I lost my mind and I um, ransacked our apartment trying to find sleeping pills because I was not sleeping. I didn't sleep for eight months and oh I just wanted to go to sleep so bad. And, but I would have taken the entire bottle had I found them, but my husband had the foresight to hide them. And um, so at the hospital, I was like, I just want to sleep. I just want to sleep. And I don't care if it's forever. It's <laughs> just all I want is sleep. Mm -hmm. And when I was in the hospital, I think I was there for like 13 days. And the nurses and the doctors were mainly experienced in treating addiction, eating disorders, bipolar disorder. None of them had ever treated someone with post-traumatic stress disorder because at the time it was a relatively new diagnosis for non-soldiers. And so I say this to add on to your story for our listeners. If you are seeking help, 
do not be surprised if the person you're talking to, even if they're a professional, doesn't understand what you're going through if it's trauma related. Um, It's kind of like going to a cardiologist when you have a broken bone. You just have to make sure and set yourself up for success mindset wise that this, like you were saying, is going to be a a part-time job. Like finding the help that you need is not as easy as they make it look, um, but it's worth the time and effort. And if you don't have the mental capacity to do that, call a crisis line, ask them if they can help you. Like there are places out there that you can go to, to get the help in order to find the help, if that makes sense. So I just want Mm -hmm. everybody listening to know, like, it's not an easy road, but it's a worthy road. And, um, and you found it. Right. And it was a challenge. It was. And, you know, I never, it, it kind of blew my mind because never in my wildest dreams would I have envisioned going through what I had been going through and reaching out for help and really Mm -hmm. not being able to have it. I hate to say readily available, but to keep hearing about the waiting lists and to keep hearing about, you know, we can't get you in for however many months or a year or, or whatever the timeline was. I just kept saying for people that are even in a worse situation than me, I cannot believe this is what we are up against. And it really, it kind of like sucks. Oh, it does. And it really opened my eyes to what, what we go through here in the United States when you are in a mental health crisis. And I kept thinking, I, if I were worse off now, granted, if I were worse off at that point, I probably just would have been straight hospitalized and they would have just put me away and said, you know, you're going to stay here for a while. But for those that are a little worse off that were going through that, I said, I could see why, and I'm just going to be blatantly honest here. I could see why people end up harming themselves because they don't have, they don't have anybody that's right there, like able to assist them and help them. And it, I just remember sitting and sobbing. I mean, sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And I just kept saying, why can't I, why can't somebody help me? Why can't somebody help me? And it's even now it's, it's like a hard thing to think back on because all I wanted was help. I just wanted somebody to say, it's going to be okay. Guess what? Like you did lose your mind a little bit, but we're here and and we're going to get you through it. And we're going to hold your hand and I'm going to give you a pat on the back. And I'm just going to let you know, you're going to be okay. I I love that. Absolutely. And I feel like I also understand why people would be driven to harm themselves and everybody listening, please don't. Um, If you're on that edge, reach out to a crisis line. I'll put one in the um, description below, but um, it's, I feel like it's almost harder for people who aren't used to asking for help because then when you finally get to the point where it's so bad, you do ask for help and then nobody's helping and you're like, see it, I'm not worthy. Right. Right. I, this is obviously not that big of a deal. And then you like go into this, like, I call it the underbelly of the self-help world, to be honest, because there's a lot of, um, like, oh, it's just your mindset. Oh, it's just like, it's all on you to, to change things, which I fully believe. Like, I believe we manifest 
what we put out there, but there are certain times where your chemicals are imbalanced Mm -hmm. and it is a physical thing that is manifesting as a mental health issue. If that is the case, please do not take that responsibility on yourself and beat yourself up. It's not helpful. You know, it's like you got to almost have to go into like stone mode where you're just like, I will not be thinking about this emotionally. I will not like you remove yourself and you're like, this is the goal. The goal is to find Mm -hmm. someone who can help me. It's going to take a minute. I have my list. Like when I go into clipboard mode, (laughs) that's when, you know, I'm like, all emotions are out of here. Exactly. I have a checklist. Yes. And that is all that matters. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, a hundred percent. It became um to where I had to, because I am not one that asks for help mm-hmm. by any means. I'm very, very stubborn. I'm very hard-headed. I'm very driven. I'm very motivated. I'm a very, you know, like I'm a, I'm a overachiever, if you will. Right. So, so when I was reaching out for help and not able to find it right away, um, it was almost like a slap in the face. And I thought, gosh, you know, I, I don't ever ask for help. And here I am like begging and begging and pleading for help. And I can't, I can't get it yet. Right. Yet became, yet became my, my game changer for me. And I sat down one day And I said, I'm going to call the next 20, however many I have, I'll leave messages, I'll send emails, I'll do whatever I need to do. And at some point, somebody will get, will be able to get to me sooner than these several months out. And it was like day number, I don't even know how many it had been that I was making phone calls because it was not fast. It was, this was not a quick process by any means, but it was very well worth it. And I just promised myself that I would do my due diligence and make my phone calls. And it was one day that I called and there was a, a counselor and she could actually see me. And it was, it was a very short timeline. It was within, I think, two weeks. Oh, nice. And I told her that sounds great. And she said, if anything changes with you from now till I can see you, I need you to reach out to me immediately. Do not <sighs> wait or call 911. Those are Those your words options. are like giant hug. <laughs> and I I have goosebumps right now actually talking about this. Um she's a beautiful beautiful savior of a woman that just literally welcomed me with open arms. She did not treat me like I was crazy, which I was. I mean, I remember the first session just sitting in there. I was so tuned out. I could barely like even I just was so Mm, yucky. Like that's the only word I can even use to describe how I behaved even in that first session with her was just yuck up mm. until, cause I, I'm thinking about the sessions cause I still go see her, but not very often. Cause mm-hmm. I feel so much better. Maintenance. But, um, yeah. For the maintenance of it. Exactly. But Absolutely. I just remember those first, I, I went to her weekly for a long time because I, you know, she wanted to make sure that us seeing each other once a week, that we could kind of work through what was going on and mm-hmm. really kind of hone in on, you know, what had happened, what I was going through, why I was behaving the way I was behaving, what we can do to kind of get me through that and, and to get me through to the other side of it and to let me know that, that I was going to be okay. And yes. that it was okay to go through these types of things and to hear a lot of that, it just reassured me that like, okay, 
this isn't forever. This isn't, yes. you know, like. Oh, it's so important to know. <sighs> like I, when I was first diagnosed with PTSD, like I said, it was early on before like non-soldiers were being diagnosed. And the first diagnosis I got, they were like, you're going to have this forever. Get used to it. And I was like having flashbacks and panic attacks and not sleeping. And every single day it was awful. I was like, I, why would I want to go through this for the rest of my life? And then I met with somebody who was like, oh no, you do not need to have, this will not be yours to own for the rest of your life. And it was Yay. life changing. So <laughs> yes. anybody listening who has been told you will have to deal with something forever, get that out of your mind and mm -hmm. figure out like what works for you because healing is possible. Absolutely. It's not to say it won't come back, right? but you will Absolutely. have tools in your toolbox to help you deal with it if it does. And I think that's such an important way of looking at it. Like, again, I'm going to use the broken bone. If you're like break your leg and then it starts hurting again, it's not broken again, but you're still probably going to do the exercises you got from your physical therapist to make that pain go away. So it, think of it that way and be super, my advice is to be super logical about your mental health if you can, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it's right. really, really challenging, it but is. I love, I did want to talk about, um, one of those, like, it's not going to be forever tools that you have in your toolbox because no one on the show has talked about this yet from what I can remember. And that is Reiki. And I find mm -hmm. Reiki so fascinating. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, uh, explaining what it is and then kind of sure. telling us how it came to be in your life. Sure. Uh, well, Reiki is amazing. Reiki is all about energy work and it's tuning into uh, the energy of, you know, others. So when you're having it done or somebody's doing it to you, however you want to think of it, um, it's a process where it's not very hands-on. Like whenever I'm doing it on someone, my hands are usually above the person. Um, you know, it can be a little bit above or further out. But basically, as I'm kind of guiding my hands up and down someone's body, there are different um, energy spots that'll be heavier, thicker, um, hotter. So interesting. Yeah. There it, it's, it's such an amazing, an amazing tool. I remember the first time or two I had it done. I really didn't even know what had happened. You know, I got done and I just remember, um, you know, her saying, you know, how do you feel? And I was like, well, I feel a lot lighter. <laughs> that was the first thing I noticed is like, I just, I almost feel like you like stripped my body of like, not everything, of course, but right. I just felt like she had pulled a lot of things out of me. And that's so what I kept saying was like, how is this? What did you do? to? What is this voodoo type stuff? Right? Like, I didn't know <laughs> much about it at that point. And, um, and, and, but I'd, I'd had like different visions and different things that had gone on with it. And each Reiki session is totally different, you know, for the person getting it done and the person doing it, it's very different. Um, and how did you happening. like discover it? Like, what was the so I met First this amazing <laughs> spiritual woman who became like my spiritual mentor. And um, she is the one that started talking. Now I'd heard about Reiki like 
off and on pretty much, I don't want to say my whole life, but probably since my early twenties, never really knew a ton about it. You know, you keep hearing like, oh, it's energy work and it's working on your, you know, you know, um, energy throughout your body and everything is energy. And so everything there's energy exchanges and there's different ways to work on energy. And, you know, you're like, okay, yeah. but <laughs> still not really knowing much about it. And I remember her saying, you know, why don't you come over to my house? Let me do a Reiki session on you. But I don't even know if she called it Reiki at that point, because I feel like she said something along the lines of, let me do a session on you. And right. I probably was like, okay. Cause I was just like, whatever you want to do to me to help me feel better. I'm totally. game on. Right. <laughs> and uh, so I went and, and we did a session and she started asking me a lot of questions about things and she could tell throughout my body, like, you know, different areas of things and just different things that had kind of come up, if you will. Um, and when you're that in tune with someone else and you've kind of learned um, different things to look for or different things that just kind of literally come up during the session, like when I'm working on someone, I could have a bicycle pop into my head in the color yellow, if you will, and like just different. Sometimes there are... Um, spiritual guides in the spirit guides in the room with us. And sometimes I have, you know, other people that are surrounding us, or um, there could be a giant Eagle that pops into my head and then I'll get done. And the person that I'm with is like, wow, my spirit guide, the giant Eagle was in the room with us. Did you, <laughs> did you see that too? And I'm like, cause I'm not talking throughout the session. Like there's right. no talking going on. Right. It's just, they're laying there calm and same whenever I have a session done, you're just laying there, you're calm, you're clothed. Um, I like to put an eye pillow over, you know, whoever mm -hmm. I'm working on. And I have a little bit of um, maybe like mm, chakra, you know, like light meditation type music going on to just kind of help them relax. And it is truly like Reiki is so beneficial in so many different ways, you know, for, for the mental benefits of it, but it helps you to de-stress. It helps you to be able to sleep. Um, it helps remove any like, like negative energies throughout your body. It kind of helps reset your nervous system, which is huge. huge. Um, you know, there's, there's just so many amazing benefits to it. But like I said, I mean, it was probably in my early twenties, the first time, time or two I had heard about it and my background long before the business that we run now, um, I did massage therapy along with ah. aesthetics. So skincare and all of that as well. And so meeting people in the massage world, you know, and hearing a little bit about Reiki and, and again, energy gotcha. work. And I love going to the metaphysical events. And so they're always offering energy work, you know, at places like that. In fact, that is how... <laughs> Oh, it's funny. I bring this up. That is actually how I met one of the authors that was in one of Kate's books. And that is actually how I met Kate Butler was oh at my a gosh. physical event. Ah, <laughs> not funny. Full that is circle. Great. Oh my Full gosh. Circle. I love that. Yes. Well, I, um, that's a great place for us to start concluding, but I did want to say to anybody listening, what a great idea for if you're looking to add therapies and tools to your toolbox, go to an event that lets you sample some things that you might not be aware of yet. I mean, y'all, in my like 15 years of healing from my trauma, I did some things that people think are wacky, but they were so helpful. Um, Reiki being one of them. It was such a fascinating, amazing experience. So be open-minded to treatments and find one that work. find one, two, three, a hundred that works yes. for you. Um, and what a great way to do it going to, uh, 
um, like a health conference, a metaphysical conference, like, and you never know who you're going to meet. You're going to end up in a yes. book. It's going to be right. great. You're going to be doing a, a chat in yellow um, on a Saturday That's morning. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amber, this has been so fantastic. If you can believe it, we're out of time. It always goes so fast. Thank you so much for sharing and being so open. And um, I think very helpful. Hopefully the listeners agree. Everybody who is listening, thank you so much for giving your time. Um, please check out Amber. I will link her website to the post for this episode. And she's also in Moments That Matter, which you can find out more about at jennaedwards.com. Until next time, have a beautiful day. Bye.